The following message was recorded as part of the morning worship celebration of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church in Eatonton, Georgia. More information about the ministries, staff, and worship offerings of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church can be found on our website at www.lopc-pca.org. I want to ask you to turn with me in your Bible to two passages of Scripture. The first one is in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23. And the other is in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through verses 30. First one is in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23. I want to ask you to stand with me as we read the Word of God. This morning, if you did not bring a Bible, there should be one underneath the seat in front of you. And I want to encourage you to take that out and uh, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible, then get that one out from underneath the seat and take it home with you as a gift from us. We want you to have a Bible. Uh, When we read the Bible, it's not like reading a newspaper or any other book. This is a book that God has given us. He's inspired it. God breathed it literally. And men recorded what God wanted to say. And in doing so, God speaks to us through his holy word. Let's give our careful attention to his word from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And we would turn with me to the book of Matthew and the 25th chapter. You're going to be reading the parable of the talents beginning in verse 14. And Jesus said this, Matthew twenty five fourteen. And again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one who had the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come. And share your master's happiness. And the man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. 
And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, investing where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance For whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, as we look this morning at faithfulness, O God, open our eyes to see your scriptures, to see your word. I pray, Father, that you would feed your flock this morning. The Holy Spirit would be free to work with great unction and conviction. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. When you hear the word faithful, what comes to your mind? Well, maybe you reflect on a couple that you know that have been married for many, many years. Or maybe it's your dog who's always faithful. Or maybe it's an employee who's worked with you or their company for many, many years and is very prompt and faithful to be there. Maybe it's a neighbor that you can always call on whatever time of day it might be. Maybe it's a spouse that you think of. Possibly you think about that geyser in Wyoming, Yellowstone National Park, Old Faithful, was named in 1870, and uh, it was the first geyser in the park to receive a name. It is the most predictable geographical feature on earth, erupting at about 91 minutes every time. You can almost set your clock by it. Old faithful. I remember living in Baltimore many years ago and going to the cemetery of Greenmont Cemetery. There's a marker there. For a man by the name of G. Gresham, J. Gresham Machen. He was a man who dearly loved his Lord. He was a biblical scholar. He taught New Testament Greek, started a seminary, was very well known, very devout Christian man, loved his Lord. And on his grave marker are three simple words 
from Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. These are the three words. Faithful unto death. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to have on your grave marker? Faithful unto death. We don't hear a lot about faithfulness these days. But let me remind you that we are in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And notice I said fruit in the singular word. From Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. And we've been looking at each of these virtues in the fruit of the Spirit. And this is the seventh one that we're looking at this morning. That Paul is saying that if you have the Holy Spirit and you're a Christian, you do have the Holy Spirit. And one of the virtues that should be manifested in your life is that of faithfulness. Now, what do we mean by faithfulness? Let me give you a couple of definitions. It comes from a Greek word, pistis, where we get our word faith from. And it means trustworthiness. It means someone who is reliable. The Webster Dictionary defines it this way. Constant, loyal, marked by or showing a strong sense of duty, of responsibility. Accurate, reliable, and exact. Now when you think of faithfulness, you have to think of God himself. If you'll turn with me for a moment, I'd like you to look with me in Psalm 89. Because I want to show you some verses about the faithfulness of God. Psalm 89. I want you to look with me, if you would, in verse 2. The psalmist says, I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Verse 8. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds us. Verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Verse 24, God is speaking. He says, my faithful love will be with him. And though his name will be exalted. We read in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, these words. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will provide of a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Faithfulness. Aren't you glad that our God is faithful? He gives us the Holy Spirit to reside within us at our conversion. One of the virtues that should be manifested in our lives is that of faithfulness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Now, I would like you to turn with me, if you would, to a couple of examples from Matthew chapter 25. This passage that we just read. Because Jesus is giving a parable. And if you'll notice verses 1 through verses 13, the parable here is about the ten virgins. It's a parable about being prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And there were these ten virgins, and, and they were to have oil in their lamps, and they were uh, to trim their lamps, and some of them were foolish, and they were not ready when Christ returned, and others were ready when Christ returned. But then, and notice in verses 14 through verses 30, it's another parable. And it's also a parable about being ready for the coming of the Lord and the rewards that the Lord will give to those who remain faithful at his coming. Now, if you'll notice with me in verses 14 and verse 15, you see a description of the trust that was given to these servants. Notice verse 14. And again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. And to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, and each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. Now, you have to understand what Jesus is saying here in the parable of the talents. When we think of talents, we think of natural ability. We think of being doing something extremely well, such as we just saw or listened to this morning in, in the musical instrument that was played before us. Uh, that's not what he's talking about when he's talking about talents. He's talking about a measure of money, a sum of money. So when he's talking about the talents here, notice that he gave five talents to one servant, two talents to another servant, and one talent to another servant. So there are three servants that he's going to use as an illustration. Now, the word that's used here for servants is the word douloi. And in, in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, a wealthy homeowner or a farmer often had people who worked for him, and they were sort of like employees. These were sometimes freemen who were employed of a wealthy master, and sometimes they were actually servants that he owned. And so these are dependable people for the most part. And so he gives the first servant five talents. Now, let me tell you that that was a lot of money. Here I'm quoting Dr. Ligon Duncan and his sermon on this. And he says this, that when Luke tells us this story, he talks about a man giving minus. There's a sister passage to this passage in the Gospel of Luke, which were relatively small amount of money. But a talent, he says, is what's used here in Matthew 25. If it were a talent of silver or gold, he says, and I quote, it was equal to 10,000 days wages for a common day laborer. Let me translate that. That's 38 years of labor, one talent. Jesus gave one servant five talents, five lifetimes of money of a worker's salary. That's a lot of money. 38 years to calculate it or about. Now, stick with me. The second servant, he gave two talents, two lifelong 
expenses, interest for working. And the third one, one talent. Now you have to understand what he's saying here. In giving these talents to these three servants, please note it was not arbitrary. He didn't just pick somebody out. He was looking for those who were faithful. And in doing so, he gave the first servant five talents. The second servant, two. The third servant, one. So verse 15 says, It was given to each notice according to his ability. Have you noticed that how God in his church, how he so equips his church, and he gives certain persons the ability to do certain things extremely well. Some of you can sing extremely well. Some of you can play instruments extremely well. Some of you can go into a room that is total chaos and organize it like nothing you've ever seen. Some of you can stand before a Sunday school class and you can open the Bible and you can teach it and people are just fed from your gift of teaching. Some of you can go out on the street corner and you can meet a complete stranger and lead that stranger to Christ because you have the gift of evangelism. I've often uh, admired Billy Graham for his gift of evangelism. I don't know anybody with the gift of evangelism that compares to Billy Graham. I mean, he can just lead a fence post to Christ if he wanted to. It's amazing. He is so gifted in certain areas. Well, let me tell you, God has gifted you if you are a Christian, and he has given you not only his Holy Spirit, he has given you spiritual gifts that are listed in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and in 1 Peter chapters 3 and 4. That you are equipped. He's given you, quote, a talent. And I mean the word talent and ability to do something well, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit that would bring him glory and, him, and give him praise. He's given you that ability. Now, notice with me, if you would, what happens in verse 14. This master goes on a journey. Verse 19 tells us it is a long journey. Now, the parallel here is that Jesus was saying, I am going back to my father. And while I'm with my father, I'm going to be coming back to you at a later time. And I am entrusting you with the kingdom of God, with talents, that you would use your spiritual gifts to glorify God and exalt him. So that when I return, there will be a harvest here on this earth. And notice he's going away. But notice also, the point of the story so far is that Christ has entrusted his church with gifts. And those gifts are to be employed for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. Did you notice here that the gifts that are given don't belong to us? They belong to the one who has entrusted them to us. 
It's not our gifts that we're investing. It's his gifts that we're investing. And he calls us into his kingdom, into his vineyard, to be faithful with the gifts that he has given to us so that those gifts might multiply over and over and over. Now notice the response that's mentioned here in verses 15 through verses 18. He said, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on a journey, and the man who received five went at once and put the money to work, gained five more. And so the one who had two talents gained two more. And the man who received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Notice the response. The first servant who was given five talents increased 100%. Praise the Lord. The second servant who was given two talents increased with a profit of 100%. Praise the Lord. The third servant who was given one talent came back and brought the talent back to his master with no profit, no growth, no investment. And notice that the master was not happy about it. And if you'll notice in verse 24, the one who had the one talent was so arrogant that he blamed the master for his not being profitable. He said, you are a hard man. You're a hard, hard master. And, and I was afraid and I didn't want to invest and I didn't want to take a risk and I did not want to step out in faith. You know, God calls his church to be fruitful and to be faithful. And here we see two examples of servants who were faithful that God blessed and rewarded. I'm reminded of that story that's true story it happened down in America's Georgia many years ago. It's a story about a man by the name of Clarence Jordan. He was a man with great abilities and commitment, brilliant man, had not only one but two PhDs, one in agriculture, the other in Greek and Hebrew. And he was so gifted, he could have chosen to do anything that he ever wanted to do. But he chose to work among the poor. And so in the 1940s, he established a little colony there in America's Georgia called the Koinonia Farm. Koinonia is a Greek word for fellowship. The fellowship farm. And there, back in the 40s, as unpopular as it was, poor white people, poor black people lived together in this colony. People in America's Georgia did not like it at all. And when the people who worked on the farm would come to town, sometimes they were laughed at, they were ridiculed, their tires were slashed, and they wanted Clarence Jordan to shut the place down. In 1954, a tragic thing happened. The Ku Klux Klan came, and that night they rode into those that farm on their horses, they had their hoods on, they had their torches, and they burned all the, all the houses except Clarence's house. And he recognized some of the voices underneath their hoods 
Some of them were people that he recognized went to church. One of the voices he recognized was a newspaper reporter. The next day, as he went out of his house, he went into the, to the, the field and he was hoeing and plowing and planting seeds and starting over. The newspaper reporter came back. And he came up to Clarence and he said, I just came here to see what happened last night. And he said, I heard something happened here and I wanted to write it up in the newspaper. At first, Clarence Jordan ignored him. The rubble was still smoldering. The land was scorched. And uh, the newspaper recorder couldn't get Dr. Dr. Jordan's attention. Finally, he said, well, Mr. Jordan... He said, you got two of them PhDs. You've been 14 years on this farm and there's nothing left at all. Just how successful do you really think you've been? Dr. Jordan stopped hoeing. He turned to the reporter with penetrating blue eyes and he said, Sir, I'm about as successful as the cross of Jesus Christ. You, I don't think you understand us. Listen, what we're about is not success, but faithfulness. What we're about is not success, but faithfulness. Much of the Christian life that you and I will walk through, we will see very little success. We may not see any at all. But what he calls us to do is to be faithful. Whether we're teaching a Sunday school class full of children, whether we are in the nursery, whether we are serving on a board at the church of elder or deacon or trustee, whether we are handing out bulletins on Sunday morning, whether we're operating a food bank whether we're teaching a Bible study to little children, whether we're leading ladies in a home Bible study or a home fellowship group, we may not see a whole lot of success. But God says, I'm looking for faithfulness. He will bring the increase, not us. He brings the increase. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to show you how this plays out in the reward system because we're going to be looking at that in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul is talking about rewards for faithfulness, things we do in the body of Christ. Let me tell you, please understand that what I'm saying here is, is not salvation by works. Please understand that. That's not what this... You're not working your way to the kingdom. Okay. Because you have salvation, that is the fruit of works, not the root of the works. You understand what I'm saying? And so notice here if you mean, in, in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, verse, verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation, his life of foundation, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. His work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire. 
and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. God will test not only what's done, but the motive in what is done. And notice how he says he's going to test it with fire. With fire. Now, I can just imagine what it would be like to be in heaven and God say to Joe King, Well, Joe, it's only the grace of God you're here, brother. And I said, Yeah, absolutely. Not my righteousness, not my works. And that's what you've done in your Christian. Here it is. Here's a pile of stuff over here. And there may be some gold and some silver and some things, but there's going to be some wood and some hay and some stubble. And God just takes the match and he strikes it to it. And that which is gold and silver becomes even more pure and more valuable. But what happens to the wood, hay, and stubble? Poof. It's no more. It's gone. You see, God is looking for faithfulness in his kingdom. Faithfulness. Now, now notice thirdly here, the rewards. And I love this. Verses 19 through verses 30. I won't take time to read all this. But verse 19, the master came back, returned, settled accounts, and was overjoyed when the servant who had five talents came and brought ten talents. And and notice he said in verses 21, I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Said the same thing with the second servant who also had 100% increase. And verses 23, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in few things. I will put you in charge of many things. However, the third servant came and simply brought the talent back. He had not invested it. He had simply been pretending. He had been spinning his wheels the whole time. And it was not profitable He was not willing to take any risks for the kingdom. He did not love his master enough to be faithful to his calling. You see, there was pretending, but there was no profit. It reminds me of the story of the man who opened a a brand new business. And he had just gotten his office organized and he was sitting behind the desk waiting on his first client to come through the door. And this man walked through the door, his first client, he thought. And as soon as, and no sooner did the man walk into the office that the business owner picked up the telephone, put it up to his ear, and went into his act of saying, Yes, Mr. President, you do have my attention here. Thank you for calling me today. Let me see if I can answer any questions you have. He said, No, Mr. President, I don't think you ought to do that. If I were you, I would do this. The client's standing there looking at all this. And he went on and on and on talking to the president of the United States. And finally, he hung up the phone and he turned to the man who was the client. And he said, pardon me, sir, I'm sorry to make you wait. That was the president. What can I do for you? And the man standing there said, oh, he said, you you can't do nothing for me. He said, I just came to hook up the telephone. Not very profitable, was he? I want you to notice the arrogance of the third servant. He says here that he blamed his master for his unproductiveness. Can you imagine? 
he said, you're a hard man. The word is scleros. He, he meant that he exploited the labor of others, namely this servant and his fellow slaves. He, he, was, he was saying in, in sense this, these other two guys that were profitable, you used them. Do you see the arrogance here? And, and, and notice he, he went on. And he said the fact that he had received less than the other slaves should not make him resentful. He was given as much opportunity as the others. But he was not profitable. And, and notice in verse 28, Jesus said, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. And, and for any, everyone will be given more. He will have an abundance. And notice what he says in verse 30. Here's the judgment. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, that's a serious thing. The conclusion I've come to about the third servant is he was not a Christian at all. He was not a faithful servant. You see, had he loved his Lord... He would have taken that talent that was entrusted to him and he would have used it for the best of the ability for the kingdom of God. And he chose not to do that. As I look out in this congregation, one of the things that I see is a congregation that God has greatly blessed with people who have some wonderful spiritual gifts. God has entrusted you with means to do things in his kingdom that ordinarily might not even happen. God has given some of you background in such business that you know administration and you know how to get things done. And God wants to use those gifts and that background that he has given you for his kingdom's sake. And he's asking us to be faithful until he comes. Some of you have been hearing, you've been seeing signs around our church about our ministry fair that's coming September 9th. Let me just give you a sneak preview of what that's going to be like. There are going to be dozens and dozens of booths that are set up around this church building inside. And you'll be able to walk up and down the hallways into the classrooms and you will see the ministries that this church supports and the ministries that we are involved with. Everything from teaching opportunities to nursery opportunities to, to, to uh, evangelism and men's ministry and ladies' ministry and women in the church and youth and our adult learning communities and and for some of you, this will be so new because there are so many ministries that this church is involved with. You're going to walk around and say, wow, I did not know. But here's the question. And this is what I want you to be praying about. How might God use you and lead you into a ministry opportunity that you could invest yourself in and be a profitable servant for the kingdom of God? The needs that we have here to reach this community are enormous. But I believe in my heart that we have the resources. We've just got to channel them right. We've got to ask God to make us people 
who are so faithful and so burdened and have a passion about what it is that God calls us to do. And for many of you, you don't know what that is yet. So we want to show you what some of those opportunities might be at that ministry fair on September the 9th. There is no different than the Apostle Paul in writing to Timothy. But he expresses these words, and he said to Timothy this, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In other words, I've been faithful. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Do you long for that? Do you long to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant? I'm reminded of the story of Senator Mark Hatfield, who was touring Calcutta with Mother Teresa many years ago. And they were visiting the so-called house of dying, where sick children are cared for in their last days. And the dispensary where the poor line up by the hundreds to receive medical attention. Senator Hatfield was watching Mother Teresa reach out to these poor people. And his heart was just breaking. And he was overwhelmed by sheer magnitude of the suffering. And, 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 and she and her co-workers were facing each and every day. And he said this to Mother Teresa. How can you bear the load without being crushed by it? And Mother Teresa turned to him and said these words, My dear Senator, I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. May God raise up faithful people who will serve him, who will stand before him one day and hear those words, Well done. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and thank you for your word, for the fruit of the Spirit, as we see these virtues and we see how you're manifesting that in and through the body of Christ. Lord, uh, the opportunities are awesome. You're an awesome God. And I pray, Father, that you would show us more and more how to be the church that makes such a difference in the community and throughout the world as we give the gospel, as we're faithful to what you've called us. I thank you, Father, for those that are here and they are faithful. They do their ministry week in and week out, often without any applause, often without any recognition. Thank you for them. One day they will hear those words, good and faithful. But Father, give us a vision for the kingdom. We thank you and pray this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.